Hello there and welcome into Career Competitor. We are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. I'm Steve Meller and this is part two of the spotlight on me, on Steve. Opportunity for you guys to get a feel for exactly who it is that has been hosting this show now for the last three and a half years or so, 100 and something episodes. And I had the, the, the wonderful opportunity to sit down with my buddy Pat Fellows and he just kind of quizzed me on a few thoughts, a few ideas that I like to always build upon and extrapolate. And we got to covering some really good stuff in the first part of this two-part episode. So if you've not listened to the first episode, please go back and give that a listen. Some of what we cover now in this second part is very much applicable to the stuff we went over there in the first part. So give it a listen. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to continue to get to know me on a more personal level. I'll catch up with you towards the end of this particular episode as well. So I hope you all enjoy. Hey guys, before we jump into this interview, please make sure if you're on Instagram, go to career underscore competitor, give us a follow. There you're gonna find information about all my guests and episodes that we have coming up. In addition, I have links in my bio to each and every episode too. That link will take you to Apple Podcasts. If you are someone that likes to listen through Apple Podcasts, while you're there, take the time to leave a review of some sort, you can just click the fifth star, make things easy on yourself, or you can even write something as well. Let me know your thoughts. I would love to hear from you. In addition to that, make sure you're subscribed or following the show on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. And finally, I would love to connect with you personally. So if you're on LinkedIn, make sure you're connecting with me, Steve Meller. I would love to hear from you. I would also love to hear if you think you or somebody else could be a great guest to come on the show. So many reasons to be following us, so many reasons to be listening to Career Competitor Podcast, but for now, let's get right to the interview. All right. Welcome back. If you haven't listened to the first half of the episode, go back and do that because I think it's going to lead to some of the things we're talking about here. First, I didn't say it the first time, but thank you for letting me do this. I think this of is course. a to trust somebody to take your show and uh, really full disclosure, I did not tell him really anything that we were going to talk about. Exactly the way I am with my own guests. Um, so I, good, you know, we, we grabbed coffee beforehand and I, I pitched a bigger idea of this being just kind of a longer probably version of what you normally do because I think it's important. Um, number one from for for the people I, I did want I, I did think it had value for people to kind of hear where you came from mm. and hear how you got to where you are uh but over the last you know two weeks or so since we uh we started talking and about doing this you've had some changes big changes big changes and i don't know how we even really you know I, how you how much we want to go into it i mean I, I other than the fact that you're not coaching now correct not swim coaching. Not swim coaching. Kind of going into some of the other big ideas that you and I have talked about. Um, in the last episode, we, we talked about our the last portion. We talked about what it means for you to compete. Mm. And I'm, I'm going to jump right back into a little piece of your summer because mm -hmm. I think it's still it's something I think you need to talk about that I want to know more about. And I think everybody wants to know about. And I think it's going to lead to more things. Sure. But I, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, elite athletes true uh maybe brooks absolutely and what just a little bit about your summer so just just a quick background if you didn't know steve was coaching a kid named brooks curry swims at lsu mm -hmm. uh 100 free 100 freestyle great swimmer great kid 
and he made some big strides and eventually went to Tokyo to swim in the Olympics. So maybe talk to us a little bit. I don't know, a, a brief yeah, overview of what, you, I can you know, give you the story. And, and, you know, again, if you listen to the first part, it's all very applicable um, to just why it is Brooks has been successful to the level he has. And uh, two years ago when he first arrived as a freshman, uh, I threw out the idea of making the Olympic team in 2020. And he laughed as a 18 year old would laugh and sort of said, well, that'd be, that'd be pretty dope, man. And something, something along those lines. And perfect. Um, and he, uh, and, and then we started talking about it more and then we, we kind of term uh, coined this term of shock the world because yep. no one knows at that point who the hell Brooks Curry is. People didn't really know who Steve Mallow was to be honest either. <laughs> and so for me, like you talk about just being your truest self, I, I would tell Brooks like, no one knows who I am. No one knows who you are. Let's go make an Olympic team and just shove it to everybody sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we um, we talked about that for 12 months and then COVID hit. And, and so for us, everything got brought to a stop. And then we started to realize, wait a second, we have another year. Like if we were talking about the idea now, now we need to actually act it out. Now we need to go ahead and make this thing happen. And he did a few things in the spring of 2021 that got my attention and I've seen enough elite level athletes. I've been around Olympic medalists before to know the difference between good and great and the difference between great and exceptional. And he was on that exceptional path. So for me at that point, it was a matter of, okay, create the plan physically, the workouts, the workouts, right. create the plan, make it so that the only intention here is to make an Olympic games. Right. So if that's the only intention, then the room for mistakes is tiny, 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 tiny. So present it to him that way too. Listen, here's the plan. It's a great plan, but there's no room for error, dude. There's none. And and that's not just in the pool. That's out the pool too. Well, shit, what do you mean out the pool? Well, that bottle of Coke that you have every morning, you can't drink that anymore. Okay. Well, that That fast food that you eat every single night, you can't do that. Okay. All this sort of stuff. Like, how do you take a guy that has been almost thrown into elite level performance so fast that he didn't even have enough time to evolve to being an elite minded athlete? Right. He didn't have time. He's for 19 that. at this he point. He was 19, 20 at that point. Right. It's like, it's happened so fast that, again, if, I, if, if, we go, if we go by the book on this, I have a world class athlete. So, therefore, he's a world class athlete. No, no. Uh, you can be a world-class athlete and in terms of your performance and not actually be a world-class athlete. Correct. <laughs> you know, I, I have a British accent. I sound really smart. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm smart. <laughs> Man, the, the accent is so cute. It, it, it um, disarms us. Exactly. So but the, the, the one thing with Brooks the whole time was I had to treat him like Brooks Curry. And it was the, the athlete. Only, the, 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 the world-class the, athlete. The world-class athlete, but human being right. that Brooks Curry was. So as I'm writing these workouts for the athlete, I'm having to talk to him and work with him as the person. And those worlds were so far apart in April and May this year. So then we arrive in Omaha, just to fast forward where the Olympic trials were. And we just keep saying, shock the world. Every conversation we have, shock the world at the end of it. Shock the world, shock the world. Goes through prelims, 
fourth fastest out of prelims still. People just say, hey, great sim this morning. No, no expectation. No expectation. Nothing whatsoever. We go to semifinals. He drops a place to fifth, but that's enough. He's top eight. eight, He's got to be top eight to make finals. That's it. Was easily the most nervous I've ever seen Brooks Curry be was those semifinals. He didn't sleep that day. I'm like, dude, his greatest talent in life is sleeping. Right. He didn't sleep that day. And, And so for me, that's when I knew the person Brooks, by knowing the person, Brooks Curry, in that moment, I knew exactly what to say to him the following morning once he woke up and we were able to have a chat about the day ahead because we had to wait all day for the final. Right, it was an evening, wasn't it? Evening, evening, like eight o'clock at night where we were. So I had to know who the human being was to be able to know how to talk to him. And we didn't, once we spoke, I said, we don't talk about this race ever again until it happens. That's it, we're done. And that was the best thing I could have said in that moment because he didn't need to be going over and over and over, analyze, analyze, analyze. He didn't need that. That's not who he is. So for me, in that moment, I felt about as good as I could possibly feel about a kid that was about to go into an environment that he had no experience for whatsoever in terms of the final to make the Olympic team. And he made it on the relay. He placed fourth, right? Um, which is enough. The, the, the first four are guaranteed a spot on the team for the U.S. and they invite another one as a backup. And he got to go to Tokyo. And, and I've, I've said this to a few people that I've told this story to now. That was the achievement. He went to Tokyo he was a part of the American relay that brought home the gold, yep. which sounds like the achievement. Don't get me wrong. That sounds like an awesome, awesome achievement. Getting there. Getting there was the achievement because we didn't have any help. Yeah. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot say that any loud. We didn't have anyone believing in us aside from one or two, and you people know who you are. No one believed it. No one thought it could be done. No one facilitated it outside of Brooks and I. Aside from the one or two, you know who you are. And you have to understand how difficult that part is. This wasn't someone who was being set up in terms of the environment, the whole world that he was living within. Sure. He wasn't being given the same things that so many of his competitors were getting in their environment. We were having to create the closest thing we could to a Olympic level environment between two people on a day-to-day basis. That's hard. It's really yeah. hard. And, and so for us, it was just this coming together of this acknowledging like no one believed it no one thought we could do it everything about the process that we had in place went against us in so many ways aside from what our plan was as a partnership right and that was about it and it all worked out do you think there's something a value to or a strength to a lack of experience with that that he could kind of not just fly under the radar but that like not knowing it's not like he didn't know how big the deal was. I know sure. he knows oh, how he big knew. the deal. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but like, but you know what I mean. Just a kind of a little bit of a naivete that he's just a little yeah. younger and just but like that, he hadn't been to six Olympic trials and and right. known the drill. Right, and, and this is where this is where I'm such a advocate for what we were talking about in the first half of this chat, like belief. Right, like he didn't need the experience of being in that environment because we had belief. Right. We really believed in the plan and we really believed in one another, maybe more so than the plan. And that, for me, was enough. That was enough. I, 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 people said to me like, hey, you got you to gotta tell him what the, the day is going to look like and what the environment's like at trials and explain to him that he's going to need this. And need I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. He'll figure that out. He's a grown boy. Like right. he, he, He'll figure that out. You know? Let's not over talk about things that don't matter. Yeah, he right? can figure that out. Like the same way 
anybody has to figure something out when they go through something for the first time. Right. We don't get handheld through the first experiences of our lives every single chapter. So this was a first experience for him. And I knew as long as the belief was strong enough between the two of us that the result was always a, a possibility for sure. It, it, it's, again, for, as somebody that wasn't an elite athlete, watching, you know, having proximity mm. to, to watching you guys. I, I, something you touched on, like about kids not knowing how good they have at being able to swim in college, mm. you know. Yeah. It, it's just, it's interesting to me. Uh, but then I also, and I think you and I talked about this before, like the difference, what you just said it, between a collegiate athlete and a world-class athlete mm. and an exceptional world-class athlete yeah. and like you being in the top 50 in the world, but knowing that, you know, you have to be in the top two in England yeah. to go in your event and like how small that is. Like, oh, I yeah. don't think people realize. No. And I was third. And that was the one thing I didn't touch on. Like yeah. I was the third best. I yeah. was the third best every Olympic cycle. And fortunately it was a big enough gap where it wasn't something that kept me up at night. Uh, but it was, I just happened to be existing at a time around uh, two of the best 10 in the world in my event. So it was, it was enough for me to say, you guys have got this. You guys are just too good. Um, but when it came to Brooks, just something that came into my mind then, like the, the one thing that I always felt so good about with him was that lesson that I learned when I first came to the United States about not taking yourself too seriously. Right. The kid wore jorts yeah. at the Olympic trials in front of the world of swimming. He wore cut-off jeans. Yeah. Why? Because that's, that's who, he, who is. he is. Right. Why was he not wearing his warm-ups the way every other guy was because they were told to wear their warm-ups? Because I said, this kid wants to wear his jorts, so you get to wear your jorts. Right. <laughs> that's literally it. That's literally, that was the discussion. And for me, it... it if we're going to keep just continually trying to create a version of something that fits to the model all the time, then we're always going to come out frustrated as coaches because we're saying like, hey, this guy, this guy has the potential to be the next Michael Phelps, so I'm going to use the Michael Phelps plan. Okay, good luck with that. Right. He, was, he was a freak. He was his own thing. And any coach out there listening, I don't know how many some coaches actually listen to this, but if you're using the Michael Phelps model, put it away, put, open the drawer, put it away now, don't get it back out. It's not going to work. Right. You know, it just, and, and that's the thing about Brooks is I was able to, through trial and error, and I was very open about that with him all the time, through trial and error, I was able to learn things as a coach through Brooks Curry that I could then apply to other athletes, but not the Brooks Curry model. The, 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 right. the, 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 the philosophy of saying, hey, this worked for Brooks. So now I can go and apply this elsewhere because I know it can actually be molded. I know it can actually be sculpted in different ways and manipulated in different ways to work for said athlete. Right. It's a piece of the plan. It's, it's literally, not, you yeah. don't apply the whole plan. This part it's, worked. Right. Now see if I can apply it elsewhere in a way that will work in that environment too. So I, I know the answer to this, I think <laughs> as a coach, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So for me, um, watching someone that I coach achieve something mm far surpasses any joy that I've ever had in achieving yeah. something for myself. Is that hold yeah. true for you? Yeah, 100%. It doesn't, it's not even comparable. Um, you know, I always, cause, because I, because I was fortunate to be in some environments where I achieved some really exciting things as an athlete, but at the same time, I was always so 
busy thinking about the next task as an athlete, you know, the next challenge, the next thing I wanted to achieve that I don't think I was ever that excited in those moments. I thought I was excited, but then I became a coach and then I realized that because of the philosophies I believe in, in terms of the environment that I believe I create for athletes to be successful, I know what it means to them. And that feeling as a coach too adds to the feeling you're already having for yourself, the pride you're already having about seeing something that was a, a product of the environment that you created. That's, that's, there's some, there's pride in that. There's joy in that. Yep. But then you're throwing in their emotions and their excitements and you're throwing in the other 15, 20 people that train with them every single day and knowing how excited they are for said person to have gone on and do what they did. And, you know, I tackled a number of people to get to Brooks after he was done with his swimming. And I apologize to you now. Um, I hope I didn't hurt you too much, but I, all I wanted to do was see Brooks after that moment. That's all I cared about. I didn't, you know, my wife may be offended by that, but all I wanted to, all I wanted to do was tell the guy I loved him and how proud I was of him and just scream shock the world in his ear um, yeah. in that moment in front of all the thousands of people at the, at the trials. I mean, it just, there's no joy professionally. I don't think there'll be ever a joy that I can get close to like that ever again. No, I, I see it too. So that, that leads me to the next kind of uh, maybe kind of switch. So if that's the case mm-hmm. that we find more joy in other people's goals, how do you think that we as people, and I don't have the answer to this, set meaningful goals? Mm. That is a tough one. But I think I touched on this earlier. You know, I love my, my, my goals in terms of me being at my happiest. And I think that's really important here. Like if we're going to talk about goals, if we're going to talk about say, I don't know, financial goals, if we have financial goals, there has to be a reason for why we want said financial goal, something that goes beyond. I want more money, something that has meaning, something that actually we can attach ourselves to and have true emotional investment And I use that as an example because there's nothing more measurable than a financial goal. Like that's about as measurable as you can get. Is it more or less than what you wanted to get? And and, and so when it comes to the measurables of saying financial, financial freedom or financial comfort or stability, however you want to put it, I look at that scenario and say, right, what is it I'm going to do? What is it I'm going to work towards in order to facilitate said financial goal? And for me, I've always known what enough is in my life in terms of what I want from my life. So as long as I'm always facilitating those wants and those needs, and it's allowing me to move in a direction where I know I can have achieve whatever this financial goal may be. I don't want to keep harping on about this financial example, but I'm using this as an example because I think it's the most relatable. There's probably people listening to this that say, I wish I could have more money in my life or I'm never happy until I make this amount of money, whatever it may be. But that, if that's going to be the measurable, if, if we're going to make all of our goals, these things that we can measure, then we're never ever going to actually find any comfort in what we do. And the example I'm giving here is applicable to athletics too, because we're always trying to get that next fast time. We're trying to go that best time, whatever it may be. If it's all about that goal, and we're never facilitating the process of who's going after that goal, why are we going after that goal, how we have to go. Like, if, if we're never noticing any of that stuff, 
then we're never going to be happy. So specifically to you, I can bring this back to your question now in the sense of, for me personally, if I'm going to set goals for myself, whatever those goals may be, as long as my investment in how I'm going to facilitate those goals has been truly exhausted, I, I, I mean that seriously, like who, like it starts with who I am. It starts with exhausting that process. Who are you? Why are you doing this? What's your intentions, et cetera. And then beyond that, the next step is, okay, how do you intend to do this? What are you going to do about this? What does that process look like? Who's going to be involved? All this kind of stuff. And then we can start to maybe get a little bit more excited about the end goal because now we've really focused on what is that facilitating process going to look like? Like, How are we truly going to immerse ourselves in this goal to the point of where whatever the result, we're still okay with who we are the way we did it etc etc when we get to the end of whatever that process may be yeah so when i think about it um it's similar to what you're saying but what i think that you know i read some quote somewhere it was basically you know the the goal there's an emptiness after you feel the goal right like if you if you if you hit a goal a swimming goal right uh, for instance i wanted to i wanted to swim a yeah. sub 20, like 16, said, 50. When I was an athlete, I felt that feeling all the time. I finished. Time. I looked. I beat it by 20-something seconds. I was doing my warm down. I was like, that was lame. That that was not – you know what I mean? That wasn't that this hard. This could have been better. This, this could have been, been better. Like yeah. you start doing that thing. So the, the thing for me uh, with Meaningful Goal – and this is what I think you said, but if you're not embracing the process and you can't – like maybe 20-year-old Steve didn't hit the time mm. and then found no joy – in the six months leading up to it. 100%. And if you're not finding the joy in the six me- months leading up to it, of course the goal is going to feel meaningless. Yeah. Like the, the, the goal should be more, to me, mm. it's not, you know, I use Ironman a lot because I coach Ironman. It's yeah. like, it's not about finishing Ironman. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't look at that finish as the six months you put into it mm-hmm. and you couldn't, and you didn't find joy yeah. in those six months, then don't do another Ironman. Like, right. because saying you can exercise for 10 to 17 hours mm-hmm. no offense anybody can do it yeah and, and not anybody i mean I, you have to within work reason. to get there right. but anybody who puts in the work can do it yeah within but if reason. you're not yeah. enjoying the process mm. i don't think your goals financial any of those things right. and that and, and that comes to work right like mm. so if if your goal is financial and it has to be work oriented if you're not enjoying the work right a raise or you're not comfortable about what what the expense is in order to get there and that, and i just that, i always like i think you and i talked about this it's like yeah you know i think you you would your position i was like i got a raise i said and you were talking a little bit about um where you were with the job and and mm. not sure and and i said i said you got a raise right and mm. he said yeah and i said and it didn't change one thing about your life did it and you're mm. like no no in fact i'm less happy it mattered yeah. it mattered zero yeah so finance was not the goal right 100 percent. it's about trying to figure out what that day-to-day process is that gives yeah. you value right 100 yeah. percent. and that and, that, and that's again you've you've already mentioned it like that that was one of a couple one of a few things as to why i decided to step away from from some coaching they got to a point where if everything that we've just talked about here like if if, if i can't feel as though i'm investing myself in the process the way I truly believe we all should be then it's not worth 
the money that I'm being paid to do this job. Like right. it's just not like it just it's that simple. Like you go home and you just for for about three or four days. Um, I went home and I was miserable. I was I was pissed. I was upset. I was a crappy husband and a crappy father. And um, for 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 what it's worth, it's it, it that as much as anything played a big part in my decision to to walk away. And um, at the same time, you know, I could see myself slowly disappearing in terms of the personality, in terms of the approach, in terms of what's not only made me successful, but more importantly, what's made me accepted and approved by the athletes. Like yeah. that version of myself for most of the last couple of months hasn't been around, hasn't been allowed to be around. And, and so for me to be in this moment and say, I'm walking away from arguably one of the greatest talents to ever witness the sport of swimming. Like yeah. I was overseeing a success, one who, someone who had already in Proven many ways it. surpassed yeah. expectations and was set up to go. We talked about it as recently as a, a couple of months ago, like going on to Paris and being great in Paris three years from now. I gave that up. Why? <laughs> if, if there's no version of my truest self involved in the process anymore, which is what I've preached to, to, to people like Brooks and other athletes I've worked with for so many years, if, if I'm not my version, if I'm not the best version of myself anymore and I'm not being given the, the environment to also empower athletes to do that as well, then this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't, this isn't what I thought it was supposed to be. Well, and it's like, if you can't live the essence of what it means to be a coach to you, right. Then that's it. Then why bother? No right? truth, no truth to my essence whatsoever. Right. 100%. Like it just doesn't, it has no meaning anymore. No, it loses all. Um, I want to get in a minute. I want to get to, we're going to wrap it up in about 10 minutes, but we've been talking a little bit about, uh, we were, we're going to talk about what's next. Mm. I know you don't know. I like, <laughs> but I, I think you do know some of the things, but you and I were chatting about something today on a book that I, we've both read mm. that I think was interesting because about the striving for perfection mm. and what that, the goods, the bads yeah. or, or what we think about it. And I think it, in light of, you know, just some of the things we talked about and, and wh where Brooks came from and, and where you are and all these different things and how misguided it may be as a goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I know we, we just kind of touched on a little bit, but I thought it was super interesting that, you know, we, we were reading this book called elite minds by Stan Beecham, mm -hmm. um, which is a great book if you want to read it. But you you touched on it this morning and how everything was just kind of like holy crap, holy crap. Yeah, this makes sense. But yeah. and but it was talking about perfection. Yeah, yeah. And just a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean the again like like we said over coffee like sometimes it's empowering I suppose as someone who's spent most of the last ten years talking to athletes a certain way and creating environments to be a certain way where someone who's significantly more respected and presti prestigious for what it is they do pretty much just backs up what it is you've been yeah. doing. It's like, oh, sweet. I was I was onto something here. This is cool. Um, so, you know, he talks about striving for perfection and, and trying to accept that if we can just aim to be our best, that can be enough. And, you know, f firstly, that just spoke volumes to me. But secondly, it, it immediately made me realize, like, I've always preached minimum standard because the beautiful thing about setting a minimum standard is it leaves room for growth. 
if we're strive if we're always striving for what's ahead and what's above then it always has the ability to kind of fall in on us to close in on us to get the better of us if we set a minimum standard and we just say listen this is our this is how we hold ourselves accountable this minimum standard if we don't drop below this then everything that you've told me you want to be great at everything you've told me you want to achieve is immediately more realistic because we have a minimum standard frankly it's a standard that if we're not at this level then everything we've spoken about wanting to achieve is just a moot point like there's there's no point there's the, 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 if you can't hold this minimum standard then everything we've spoken about it just isn't realistic and there's sense of like just sort of acceptance with that minimum standard that allows for a realistic in, in environment to exist within between you and an athlete or you and whoever it is you're working with because now it's like hey listen this is who we are this is our identity in terms of what we're going to always walk in and be on a day-to-day basis i have a minimum standard for what i do as a husband and a father i've been working on my minimum standards as a human being for most of the last six years through through therapy through reading through all this sort of stuff it's why it gives me such great confidence to sit down with an athlete and talk about their minimum standards because i immediately let them in on the work i've done in establishing my own and for me personally when we work in that domain of of minimum standards and striving to be our best self all words like pressure and stress and all that kind of thing they just they go out the window because we're not pressured we're not stressed by these things that these imaginary things that we've dangling out in front of us that we're going after we're focused on the present we're focused on hey are you doing what you're supposed to do to optimize yourself today and also stay true to your minimum standard if you're doing that the next day will come the next competition will come the next challenge will come and when it does come we're always going to go back and reinforce those minimum standards and that version of ourselves that we're proud to be every single day. Well, and I think that when you when you're striving, when people are striving, quote unquote, for perfection or what they perceive as the way, so it it breeds a mindset of negativity because you're always not enough. Exactly, you're never enough. It, mm-hmm. You know, oh, I want to be Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be Michael Phelps. You don't get to be. You don't. No. No one gets to be. Nobody gets. Or or yeah. and, and insert any other yeah. thing that you're rating yourself you at, against well, you, as again, some I, sort of attainable. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, don't know her personally, but the Simone Biles thing this summer with the, with the, 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 the games. Right. I mean, it's, it just got the better of her. Having to be Simone Biles got the better of her. Right. And that was something that she didn't ask for. That was something that was put on her. And no matter how much she may have tried to have a minimum standard or to strive to be her best self when you're just surrounded by this version of who you're supposed to be every single day from every single direction, from every single influence out there, it's going to crush you. It's yeah. going to get the better of you. It's yeah. It's interesting. I, I like the idea. And I, I don't know that you've talked to me uh, or brought up the idea of the minimum standard idea, but in, if I'm getting it right, the idea is that if you're doing this, that it allows for more always, right? Like if, if you're doing X always, it also tells us that we're not a finished product. Yeah, and we're not. No one is. No. Like again, we talked about perfection. I get it, but I like to use terms like, like a finished product because for me, it it it, it immediately puts out there that we're still working on it. You know, and, and that's the thing for me. Like, if if we can take away these terms like perfection, and we can replace them with these like 
proactive terms instead, then we're already saying, we're surrendering ourselves to saying, hey, I'm trying to be my better self. I'm trying to work on me. I'm trying to get better. Yeah. Because if the day we start working on ourselves, it's a really shitty day. <laughs> it, just, it just is. 100%. So we'll have two things left. One, what, what do you think is next? What do you want to do next? For me, a lot of the work I did this summer working on my, my best self, actually, um, was the, 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 the t- this title of swim coach that I've always wrestled with. And I came to this solution that I'm not actually a swim coach. I'm a coach of swimmers. And so I just took the words and just spun them around. And the reason I did that was it, it truly acknowledged my identity much clearer than it did. The, the, the world of swimming is something that's been at the center of my universe for 20 years at least. Yeah. Um, so that's a really long time. And I think that disables a lot of people that exist within it right now. They, they can't see how they can exist without it because they have identified swimming as the first part of their identity. For me, coaching is the first part of my identity. Coaching people, my universe without coaching is a really tough thing for me to figure out. I don't like that idea. But the beautiful thing about coaching is there's opportunities to do it everywhere, anytime. And that doesn't mean that I'm walking into a world, into a room, sorry, where I'm like, hey, I know more than you you need to sit down. I'm ready to coach you. That's that's not what I'm no. saying right now. What I'm saying is that there are opportunities for people to be working on their best selves every single day. And as an advocate for that, I'm excited to work with people, whether you are a swimmer, whether you are a financial advisor, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whatever you may be. I see a world where I can actually work from a career standpoint, just simply helping people better what it is they're trying to get from from themselves every single day uh, i mean i i think that's one of the connections you and i made pretty early on is that we both realized like i i still coach i, I coach high school kids mm-hmm. i coach triathletes and really i don't coach triathlon or running as much as i you coach people mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out i mean for me i think the thing that i always harpen back to and it's the same thing is, is how do i teach somebody how to believe mm-hmm. like what can I do to make them believe in themselves, whatever, you know, mm. those are the, those are the important things. So, I mean, I know, you know, I know we'll continue, uh, our discussions <laughs> because I think that they, uh, number one, they've been a blast. We become good friends doing that. And, totally. and I enjoy that, but I'm excited to see, you know, what are the, what are the next things you do? And maybe we do things together. Maybe we don't, but internet, mm. you know, there'll, there'll be some intersection with that because I think we'll always have these, these kind of conversations. Mm. Um, I do want to thank you for trusting me to of course, come in and, of and ask you ask you not necessarily hard questions, but at least talk about the things that uh, I think that the people that listen to your show really deserve to know about you. I think that mm-hmm. um, most good coaches want to sit in the background. They hmm. don't necessarily want it to be about them. Sure. But the reason why you have a successful show is because you're a successful coach. And, and you can bring that out of you know, those discussions out of other people. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm not going to give you one more thing. I didn't really, I was going to give you, <laughs> let, let you <laughs> leave us with some one profound thing. thought, but I think we've hit it all. No, absolutely. And I will just say in closing, like so much of what we've spoken about here, these thoughts, these theories, whatever you want to call them. Um, this podcast has been a, uh, it, it's been a, a place for those theories to be um, confirmed and um, to be built upon. and and all that kind of thing and 
Um, I'm, I myself am now somehow uh, my hundred hundred and first hundred and second interview that I've had on the show, something like that, um, which is amazing to be able to pull hundred hundred versions of thoughts, a hundred versions of journeys and stories from people over the last three years. Um, again, I I'm, I consider myself a facilitator in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's been a privilege. And hey, man, I appreciate you too. So yeah. thank you. I did. I would be remiss if I did not thank Kalen. Mm. and cards and culture and if you live in baton rouge you need to come here yeah it's just adds up and thank you to anthony and the Mm. crew everybody for having us here thanks to them Mm. thanks for having me steve and y'all have a great day and my thanks again to pat for taking the time to sit down with me at cards and culture in baton rouge to just really give you guys the opportunity to learn a little bit about my story where i came from who it is that has been now running this app, running this podcast for the past three and a half years. We're about 110, 111 episodes, I believe, now into the show. And I'm just really excited, guys, honestly, about my future, but also the future of this podcast. I feel really good about the direction that the show has been heading for, for some time now. And I think the momentum with what we're trying to do with the show is in the most exciting position it could possibly be, simply because I think the opportunity for us to start expanding upon the impact of what it is we discuss is now going to take off to levels that we've we've still yet to reach within the show and it goes back to everything we were just discussing here in this particular episode understanding that i feel really good about the minimum standard of what this podcast has become but i'm also incentivized more than ever to reach the optimal standard of what it can truly be for you the listener so Again, thank you so much for joining us. And in relation to some of this new stuff that I'm doing now, be sure to reach out to me, career underscore competitor through Instagram. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, let me know if you'd like to sit down and chat. 30 minutes maybe, need a 30-minute chat. We can learn a little bit about you. Give us the opportunity to maybe even work together long-term and start to work on establishing your minimum standards and working towards your optimal self as well. So again, through Instagram, career underscore competitor, you can reach out to me there. Career competitor podcast at gmail.com is another way to reach out to me too. There's so many things in the works. New website coming, new services coming. Just make sure you continue to stay tuned to Career Competitor Podcast so that you're always kept up to date with anything and everything we've got going on. But in the meantime, good luck to you with anything and everything you have going on. And I look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Bye for now.